published today in Nature Microbiology has identified 54, just about 54, almost 55,000 species of virus living in the human gut in your poop. Yep, 92% of which uh, previously were unknown to anybody. I I guess they have to uh, now give them names. I always say, and I said this last week, science never stops. They're, They're always discovering something. They'll discover something and then they'll take it to the next level of discovery, right? So as a joint effort, there's the Joint Genome Institute and... The Stanford University of California found a great majority of these new phage, uh, they call them, a phage, P-H-A-G-E-S, these phages. These are virus that eat bacteria. And cannot attack a human cell. It actually hides in the human cell, but cannot attack it. Hmm. Well, virus hiding in poop. Virus hiding in the poop. I mean, it's just mind-boggling. Well, we're going to explore that. And then I'm going to tell you why you fart at night. Yep. So stay tuned. Go nowhere. Today is June the 30th. And where did June go? Where did it go? Very fast. That's where it went. Well, the day is June 30th and this is a live broadcast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are on this great planet. My name is India Holloway. I am an international colon hydrotherapist, better known to my closest friends as the gutologist. I am a iridologist, a lecturer, and I have written a book entitled the body doesn't know how to die. Let me start by saying to our regular listeners, thank you for being there. I appreciate you for who you are and where you are. And you are all over the world. Thank you for being there. And for those listening in for the first time, I'd like to say howdy and welcome. 
and encourage you to listen in every Wednesday at this very same time, um, 10 o'clock Western Standard Time, and encourage you to join in. Uh, I want you to pick up the phone if you have a desire. Give us a call. You can reach us at 310-928-7733 and uh, ask a question if you have one. Uh, if you so desire, send us uh, an email at innerlightradio at yahoo.com. I'd like to start by saying uh, thank you to our men and women in uniform. They're always there. They're always out there to protect us on the home front. And speaking of the home front, I'd like to say to our first responders, our police officers, our firemen, thank you for your service and God bless our nurses. They are always there to help. This broadcast is not meant to heal or cure any disease, but what it will do is educate us on our bodies. And speaking of education, today we are looking at, oh, human poop. Human poop uh, is teeming with new species new to science. Research has published today in National... For those that are just now tuning in, today, today, in Nature, Microbiology has identified 54,118 species of virus living in the human gut, in your poop. Why haven't they found that before? Well, because science is always developing new technologies and whatever to discover this kind of stuff. 92% of these species, 54,118 per 92% of this previously unknown. So we are looking at uh, these two institutes, Genome Institute and the Stanford University of California, these two together, they found that a majority of these micro uh, or the biotic phage, or phage for short, um, they eat. They eat the bacteria in your gut. It, uh, 54,000 plus eating up your bacteria. And that is one of the reasons why now I understand that you should always be taking a probiotic, a friendly bacteria. Let them eat the bad ones. Okay, fine. But the good ones we need. And these viruses are smaller 
than bacteria itself. Sometimes up to 50% smaller, but require a living host in order to survive. A living host such as people, plants, or animals, in order for them to multiply. Otherwise, they die. Well, there's a lot for them to live on in there. When they enter a virus, when I should say the other way around, when a virus enters the body, it invades some of our cells, a human cell. And let me tell you, as a reminder, we are 90% bugs, so 90% they can invade those because we're only 10% human. Okay, so wrap your brain around that for a second because the bugs are in charge. They And what they're saying is that these viruses, these tiny, tiny viruses enter into the host and they'll enter into the host cells and they just kind of take over the the mechanics of the cell and they steer it in their direction. When most of us think of viruses, we think of uh, organisms that infect our cells and it with a disease like mumps and measles and and recently COVID-19. However, there is a vast number of microscopic parasites in our bodies. And uh, guess what? These, these viruses penetrate and take over those, uh, those uh, parasites in our bodies, mostly in the gut. That's where they're supposed to be to keep them out of the bloodstream, which is the rest of the the body. And the target of the microbes in the gut is where they live right now that they've discovered. Okay, everybody poops, but not all poop is the same. I think everybody knows that by now. And identical twin, you can identify which twin belongs to which poop. Right? I mean, it's it's just like that. You can look at them and not tell them apart, but look at their poop and you'll know who they are. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Recently... There has recently been more and more interest in the gut microborum, the the uh, biology of the microbes in the gut. The collection of microorganisms that live in the gut, it is huge. It is not only huge, it's a huge collection, but the, the adult human, 
And I said this last week. I think it was last week. The adult human carries somewhere in the neighborhood of three to five pounds of microbes in the gut. Now, you may think, okay, fine. And most of that is in your poop. Not in your small intestines, in your colon, because that's where the poop is made. Besides helping us digest our foods, these microbes have many other important roles. They protect us against the pathogenic bacteria, pathogens that enter into the body. They moderate our mental well-being, uh, prime our immune systems when we're just kids, right? We have an ongoing role in immune regulation into adulthood from kids. Now, you've seen and you hear of a lot of uh, C-sections that are going on. These are these are babies that are born when the doctor has to cut open the C the C-section they call it and pop the baby out through the mom's middle instead of through the birth canal. Now, if that and when that happens, the bacteria's mom's bacteria has now invaded the baby. And that is what sets them up for making sure that things don't happen to them. Their immune system is now in its beginning and it's now growing and it's intact. It has the bacteria and they mutate. Okay, C-section, nothing. C-section, no bacteria. In fact, they swab everything to disinfect, everything to kill the bacterias. And there's nothing there for baby. If they're born premature, they're in the hospital for days and weeks because no bacteria to help the baby out. Okay, we have bacteria. We need the bacteria. And it's fair to say that the human gut is now the most well-studied microbial ecosystem on planet Earth right now. Yet more than 70% of the microspecies that live there have yet to be grown in a lab. They're just now discovering this stuff. There's amazing what goes on in the microbial world. We know this because we can access the genomic blueprint of the gut microborum. I mean, this sounds like psychobabble, but you got to get on to it because this is what could save your life. And this approach is what is really happening today. It's a a whole technique of how they are uh, programming the DNA and how it directly 
affects the environment, how it directly affects our bodies, and the sequence giving us a snapshot of what's present within and what it might just be doing in there. Um, Metagenic studies have revealed that uh, how far we still have to go to catalog all of this isolated crap that's going on in our crap, so to speak, human gut, even further to go to show all these viruses that are there. Let me say this. Um, it is uh, 1,810 samples of poo. Of poo. Uh, in new research that have mathematically mined all of this poop, I can't even, you know, wrap my brain around them digging in poop. They mine the poop and the viral sequences from, uh, from 11,810 just fecal mechanisms and they go into this from people around the world I mean they looked at people in 24 different countries and they wanted to get a good idea of the con the extent to which viruses have taken up residence in these guts in 24 different countries. They're buying poop from all over the world. They buy poop. And there, there's this, there's this algorithm. I, I did a whole study on fecal transplants, right? And there's an algorithm of them buying poop from pockets all over the world, different, uh, colonies and, and, and different, uh, uh, humans and and they buy their poop and and then they dig in it they figure it out and this effect resulted in a gut virus catalog a catalog of viruses in the poop largest source to date, than ever, this catalog comprises of 189,000 viral genomes, which represents uh, more than 50,000 different species, previously unknown. I'm telling you. So, you know, where... I'm doing colon hydrotherapy and I'm seeing what comes out of people and, and they're seeing what comes out of them and they're, they're, they're thinking this is absolutely remarkable to see what comes out of my body. And I'm telling you some of it 
is scary. It's very scary. And I think I've seen it all. And then something else pops up. Can you imagine what science is seeing? And they're just now seeing it for the first time. It's remarkable. But perhaps predictably, more than 90% of these viral species are just absolutely new to science. Today, new to science. And, and we're talking one part of science because there's another part over there that don't even get a chance to see or read or understand this over here. Collectively, they have encoded more than 450,000 distinct proteins. Okay, that's a huge reservoir of, of functional potential that may either be beneficial or detrimental to our microbial world. The human host, us humans. But these viruses have invaded or they have just realized that they are there and have invaded each one of the microbes, microscopic critters that live in us, microscopic critters that live in the human body, in and on the human body. Because like I said before, if we got rid of all the mass in the body, mass being bone, muscle, blood, brain, all of the mass, and it is gone, you'd still see a faint outline of the human body. And those are bugs. And you'll see the majority of that faint outline in the gut. Because there's there's three to five pounds of that in the adult human. Amazing. And I'm telling you, different viruses. Scientists also dwell down into subspecies called viruses that they're finding in the bacterias. And they're microscopic. Okay, they are microscopic and they dug deep down in there and found and they show striking geo geological patterns around the world. 24 countries surveyed. And, and that's just in this particular area where the Stanford uh, university and the, uh, what was that other university have collectively found. But remember when I did the whole show on fecal transplant, fecal transplants and there is a, a group, there's five, uh, there's five manufacturing plants, all 
of these manufacturing plants are big pharma and they have purchased poop from pockets all around the world uh, of people's places and they discovered that these bacterias that live based on how the people are eating in these areas are different. So these manufacturing plants in, I don't know, upstate, not New York, but where is it, a Boston, somewhere up there. These manufacturing plants within a four or five mile radius are buying this poop and they are, um, they, they give them different names, you know. We, as colon therapists, we, we started out calling it a fecal implant and they poo-pooed this. They poo-pooed it, but we got results. They started doing it. They called it fecal transplant. And now they're calling it phage or phage therapy. I tell you, we can't own anything, can we? It gets taken over and then we can't discuss it. We can't do anything with it because it belongs to the big pharma. It belongs to the medical profession. They're calling it phase therapy. It's an old concept. Trust me on that. And you're going to hear more and more about it because they're going to talk more and more about it because they're going to learn more and more about it. This this phage therapy is an old concept predicting or, or I should say predating antibiotics because we called it fecal implants. And this is, this is gut microborums using dietary interventions, probiotics, prebiotics, and even transpusions or fecal microbia transplants. <laughs> yeah, psychobabble. But it is all the same thing to improve the individual's health through the gut. 90% of affected fecal transplants uh, may be a miracle, a miracle cure for that person that was suffering for years and years. And, and uh, a fecal transplant, 90% effective. 90%. You're suffering from gut issues. Guess what? One of these days, you're going to get on board because you're saying right now, oh, who? Transfer poop from you to me? I don't think so. But if you're miserable enough and you don't want to go down with this kind of misery, you will do it. And the more they learn about it, the more they talk about it, the more they put it out there, the more you your eyebrows lift and you go, huh, okay, 
if science says it's okay, it must be okay. But you're hearing it here first, people. Remember where you first heard this. And if you have the wrong imbalance in your gut, and most people do because they eat sugar. Most people are crackheads for the sugar. Yeah, I see you out there raising your hand. Crackheads for sugar. You're feeding bad bacteria in your gut. And that translates into other things. The ecosystem that you have right there started from birth, uh, early age, traveled with you through your adulthood, and it um, it travels based on so many things. Your C-section versus your uh, birth canal. It travels through when you age and get older and start eating crazy or eating more crazy. It, when you travel and you're, you're what is it called? You're, uh, come on, India, you can get it. Here it comes. Here it comes. Your, uh, I tell you, these brain things happen. But eco, ecosystem, no, not ecosystem. When you travel from one section of the world to another, I can't even write it out. I'll get it in a minute. When you travel, your body goes through changes. And when it goes through changes, you have to get it back in check. And if it doesn't get back in rhythm, there you go. It has to be in rhythm. Everything that you do is a rhythm in the body. Really. And this rhythm has to be in check. Ecosystem is one thing, but that ecosystem is your bugs. You pick them up when you travel. Right now we're wearing masks. And when was the last time you heard somebody having a cold or the flu or any of those things? Because we have pretty much covered them over, masked them over now that we are exposed again. Well, somewhat. And you're taking medication because you have high blood pressure, hypertension, high blood pressure, um, diabetes, all kind of crazy stuff in there. You have to take a med. This whole ecosystem is constantly changing. And if it's changing for the worst, you're going to go down with bad diseases. Just saying. This, this can lead to all kinds of distress in your body. Phase therapy may be a useful addition to this objective, uh, craziness that's going on in there by adding species your probiotics you can keep this body in check for a long time but you have to recognize certain things for example 
biological pathogens like C. diff. You've heard of that before. Is the leading cause of hospital acquired diarrhea, C. diff. And if you've got that, you know what? All you have to do is get the right bacteria in your gut and that'll stop it like post haste. Post haste. People call me and I go, I've had diarrhea for a week. I say, this is what you take. They take it. It's gone. I'm not a doctor, but I know the gut. And I know what it's been doing for all these years that I've been studying it. And it's a study. It's a constant study. I never let up. Every day I wake up, I'm starting to read some more material. And I run across this stuff and I go, you're just now figuring that out for God's sakes. What's wrong? What is the matter? Okay, but it's worth noting that uh, the projections of the data that they're coming out with, that they're investigating, it, it's it's still just a fraction of what's going on in the body. Still just a fraction of the total gut viral diversity. So we still got a long way to go because you know, I look at uh when I talked just a little bit ago about how these bugs control your thoughts. Look at how many people out there that are 51, 50. And you know what? It's the gut, the gut bacterium. The gut. Uh, tail from the table. And this is an old tale from the old table because years ago when I managed my husband's office, he was a chiropractor, you know. When I managed his office and I started zeroing in on personalities and listening to their conversations and watching how they managed and maneuvered through the world. He had a patient. We'll call her Miss Williams. And Miss Williams loved my husband, right? She would bring in gifts and stuff. And that was okay. And she would bring him things like, Stacy Adams shoes. Huh? A whole bag. For those that know Stacy Adams, they are high, high end shoes for men. Stacy Adams. She would bring in a bag of them and go, here doc, pick a pair of shoes. And he would take, he'd look through them, take a pair out and she would give them to him. She would pay for her therapy. But then I noticed that a couple things about her were a little bit strange. And I would say, um, so what do you do, Miss Williams? She says, I'm the secret police for the President of the United States. 
Ooh, secret police. So I would go down into her secrecy, right? Make her talk about it. But she would only talk to me because I listened and I asked questions and I agreed with certain things that just kept my curiosity up that kept her talking. Miss Williams would say things like, now, wait a minute, let me take you back because she's mainstream society. She has a polling place where people came and voted every four years or every time there was a vote that needed to be cast. She was a voting location. Mm -hmm. And she had some kind of material or paper that said so. They thanked her from the state of California for doing what she did, deputized her as one of these citizens that did the polling. Deputized. That was the secret word. Because she had paperwork that said so with her name on it. Okay. So now Miss Williams would take this paperwork and she would show it to me to show that she is the secret police for the president. And at that time was Richard Nixon. Okay. So she shows me something that has the drawing of a badge and a thank you and you are deputized and all this. So she keeps this to show herself that she is this person. So how are you dealing with the president of the United States, Miss Williams? She says, you know, late at night, the limo would come and I would get in the limo and there's the president there and he's the only person I'm the only person that he would listen to and take advice from. Had to be secret, had to be at night, had to be in a limo. They would come and go. Wow, Miss Williams. Yeah, and let me tell you, they're trying to kill me. There's people, there's things, there's entities trying to kill me. Matter of fact, they drop me down the elevator shaft and I hit my head and I've got a plate in my head. Whoa, you are kidding me. No, she says, they are trying to kill me. And they've tried many times, but they can't because I'm a special entity. Mm-hmm. Now, first of all, it wasn't until years later I figured there were some bugs in her body that had taken over. But she came in one day and she put her fingers up to her lips. And she slowly slides a piece of paper across the counter to me. I slowly takes it and slides it towards me and I slowly open up this piece of paper and it said they're here. Okay. 
So my eyes kind of darted side to side like, okay, this is really secretive. So I fold it back really slowly and put it down and away. So we go about the rest of the visit normally. But I go into my husband who I've been telling these little stories. He's listening and, you know, he picks his teeth and looks in another direction. So I go into his office and I slowly show him this piece of paper. He picks it up, opens it up, and it says, they're here. And I just simply said, Miss Williams is here with that look on my face, right? And he sees it's her handwriting. He sees she wrote it. And now he's getting it. So we treat Miss Williams very gingerly throughout her whole entire visit. And for the rest of the time she came, which was until he retired. Years. Every time, now I'm noticing these people and I know who they are and I've zeroed in on them and I get them in my confidants and I say things to them that lets them tell me just about everything that's on their mind. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of people out here, people in mainstream society that's a little bit 5150. And I'm telling you right now, their gut bugs are disgusting. I know this. And when somebody snaps and you're wondering, what did I say? What did I do? Just know that the bugs are in charge. I have a lady right now that comes to my studio. Okay? She is the smartest woman that I know right now. She has an eidetic memory. She is a doctor. She is everything that you would aspire to have. She's got money. She's She starts up with uh, collecting money for universities and putting kids through schools and uh, all this sort of stuff. 5150, I grant you. She talks to me because I learned how to get to them. And I'll tell you right now, there are nights when she sleeps under the dining room table with a foil around her head because the drones are out tonight. Okay? Just saying. So you may be living with one. You may now hear these stories and say, yeah. And so that's what it is. So that's what's wrong with him or her. All right. And I, I, I can sit here a whole show and tell you stories of people that are in, in the mainstream society that you would not know that are being followed, that are being spied on, that are paranoid, that are going through changes. Maybe it's half of those homeless people sitting out there, right? But 
whoever they are, they got bad gut bugs. And now they're discovering the viruses that are inside the bacterias. Oh, boy, I'm getting dizzy here. But we're getting closer to what we need to know, which means we're getting closer to healing the world. And it's going to start in the gut. We still have a long way to go, people. We still have a long way to go. But I want to tell you about, and all this is kind of related, why you fart at night. Why you are extra gassy at night. And you're not alone. I mean, half the world is out there. I mean, you think you're passing gas or your husband or wife will say, man, you were farting up a breeze last night. And you don't know. But this is what's happening. Here's the real deal. Farting is uncomfortable. We all know that. We tend to want to hold it back. Sometimes physically it is impossible and it slips. I mean, as you get older, that sphincter muscle, the memory of the sphincter muscle is off kilter and it just lets it out. I mean, I've slipped a couple times, a couple times. (laughs) I'm an old girl, so (laughs) that muscle gets real weak if the gas is building up in there. And I don't go somewhere and just force it out. So you try to hold it in and there's a fugitive happening. And that fart comes right on out of there. And if, uh, or I should say, you are routinely wondering uh, why I'm so gassy at night. Why at night? You notice that it is the gassiest if somebody's around to tell you that you're Putin in your sleep because the body's automatic or I should say autonomic system. That's everything your body does automatically uh, kind of relaxes more uh, when you're sleeping. And that being said, that sphincter muscle Well, just lets things out of there. But why? That's what you should be asking yourself. Why is the body going through the the natural uh, digestion and causing gas? Well, first, you should understand that how your body works. If you understand how your body works and how the digestive system works, you would get into your uh, circadian rhythm and stay there. Because your body understands um, consistency. It doesn't understand iffy. Iffy, I'm on, I'm off, iffy. It doesn't understand when you eat in the morning and then the next couple mornings you don't eat 
that rhythm is now blown. You should understand that your body has to eat a certain time every day. And typically, you should eat first thing in the morning uh, between 8 and maybe 10 o'clock. And then you should eat lunch about 12 to 1. And then dinner typically should not be past 7. <clears throat> but I always tell people you should you should eat not later than 6 o'clock in the evening. Now, that's a rhythm. And if that is a rhythm, then your digestive system, when the food goes in in the morning, is doing something. It's digesting. And then when you're eating digested foods or digestible foods, it sits in there and the body goes through its natural changes. And if you're doing it right at the right time in a rhythmatic setting, then your microbes are doing their job. There we are again with the bugs. The bugs are eating the foods that you eat and digesting them. And if you throw that rhythm off, your bugs are going to be off in their digesting themselves. They eat, they pee, they poop, they fart. All up in there. The bottom line is, why are you most gassy at night? Okay, so the human body is gassy in the morning and when you first wake up, you let out this great long old fart, right? Boom, done. Or at least you should. Uh, but that's coming from the food you ate last night or the day before. Uh, the gas you have in general, um, no one knows your body better than you. And if the amount of gas you're, uh, is a concern for you, then you, you, you gotta get this baseline of how to get your body in a good rhythm. And seeing, you might want to see your dietitian, um, because you're just trying to think, why am I bloated? Why am I gassy? Why is this happening? Why? They may be able to tell you, I'm giving you a, just a, a, just a small pinpoint of what could be happening. If you eat dinner, and it's usually the heaviest meal of the day, your microbes are then busy at night fermenting what you just ate. And your, your, um, your automatic uh, nervous system is relaxed. But those little bugs are busy. Most of the bugs in your body, whether it's a parasite or whether it is a microbe, are, are active at night. Um, and are digesting the foods that you ate. If your largest meal was at night and that's your most creative meal, 
is at night, then that means most people are eating stuff that they should not be eating. Experimenting with foods, or I feel like Italian tonight, or I feel like Chinese, or whatever. And then you eat those foods, and the body goes, what the hell? Oh, boy. Jeez. I don't think I want this. So the bugs, the microbes, eat it, and then they are fighting. They're accumulating the gas, and then they're letting it out. And then in the morning, bam, there it is, big old farts. But through the night, there's even, according to what I discussed earlier, the the virus. Mm -hmm. You got a ton of stuff happening in there, and you have... No clue. You've got bugs in there. You're feeding the worst stuff on the planet. Sugar, perhaps. You know, good bacteria don't like sugar, but the unfriendly bacteria, and dare I say virus, loves that stuff. So you're talking about sleep farting. That's a good term for it, right? Let me write that down. Sleep farting. You're gassy at night thanks to your diet. Of course, the food you're putting into your body late in the evening plays that major role on what's going to happen. And there are tons of foods that you may make more gas than other foods like You have two kinds of fiber. You have a soluble fiber and an insoluble fiber. Your soluble fiber is the fiber that when you drink something and it expands that fiber. And uh, while this kind of fiber originally is formed without a lot of digestion. It's fiber. It goes through the small intestines and into the colon and absorbs, helps absorbs the water, right? And then, or fluids. And then there's the insoluble fiber. And this one is a kind of fiber that uh, uh, passes all the way through. The, the soluble fiber ferments in there and causes gas because that's what the bugs eat. That is the fiber like the beans, the lentils, the lagoons, the fruits, the berries, all of that sort of stuff, fermentable. And if it's fermenting in there, it's gassy because those bugs are having a grand old time because that's their food. Insoluble, whole, the nuts, those, the, 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 the hard things, cauliflower, uh, green beans even, you know, stuff that you see mostly in your poop. 
these are the ones that are are a little bit different, but they sweep the walls. They they sweep things out. And if you're drinking plenty of water during the day, you are making good, wholesome poop. And if not, you are holding on to that stuff. And it's just, I got another tale from the table. This young lady comes in. She's every bit of 115 pounds. Small little frame. But she was a vegan. And as a vegan, she ate all raw. Wrong thing to do. Because the gas that lived in her was illegal in nine countries. Okay. I I can go on forever about night farts. But I'm at the end of the broadcast. So I'll tell you this. You've made methane gas. It is flammable. You could blow up the world with your farts. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is India Holloway. I am an international board certified colon hydrotherapist. The gut is my territory. I know it well. So I want you to check me out. Go to my website, www.healthylivingstudios.com. See what we do in the studio and see how we do it. I want to say until this time next week with love and great gratitude. Ciao for now. Family